leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards and stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Essential tremors, uncontrollable shaking of the hands, arms, and other parts of the body, have been traditionally treated through drugs or surgery. Cala Health is providing a new option to patients with its wristwatch-like neuromodulation device that uses electrical impulses to stimulate peripheral nerves to treat the condition. We spoke to Renee Ryan, CEO of Cala Health, about its Cala Trio device, the potential for bioelectric medicine to treat a broader range of neurologic, psychiatric, and cardiologic indications, and what it will take to get payers and providers to embrace the technology. Renee, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's thrilled to be here. Thank you. We're going to talk about Cala Health Bioelectronic Medicine and the potential to use your wristwatch-like device to deliver an individualized therapy for people with essential tremors. Let's start with essential tremors. For people not familiar with them, what are they and how do they impact patients in their daily life? A great question. So essential tremor is the uh, most prominent, most pro- uh, prolific uh, movement disorder that exists in the United States. It affects about 7 million people, primarily indicated by tremors in the hands and the face and oftentimes the speech. Our technology is specifically focused on um, relieving hand tremors in these patients. Um, we don't know the causes of essential tremor. We do know that there's a, a lot of familial uh, cases of essential tremor, that it runs in families, um, and it oftentimes uh, affects, as it gets worse, affects a uh, individual's ability to do their activities of daily living. Things like eating, dressing, writing, those are the, the main areas where people will express frustration that they have an impact on their lives. You say 7 million people, is that correct? Yeah, 7 million people in the United States today is uh, some of the lowest numbers. There's often, there's other indicators that it's potentially upwards of 10 million patients. And to put that in perspective, Parkinson's, which a lot of people are aware of, and we actually um, are doing some work to understand if we work there as well, but Parkinson's only affects a million patients in any given year, and we affect upwards of 7 to 10. Well, how effective are existing treatments today for essential tremors? Yeah, another good question. So essential tremor today, before the Cala Trio device was launched in September of this year, essential tremor was treated uh, two primary ways. One with uh, drugs, and they're t- typically um, 
generic drugs like beta blockers and other medications that often have side effects, but they are effective uh, in, in uh, treating essential tremor. That's the one end of the spectrum. The very invasive and other end of the spectrum is deep brain surgery. Um, two areas that are being worked on there. One is ablation of certain areas of the brain and deep brain stimulation, which is a highly invasive implantable technology where probes are placed deep into areas of the brain to affect the tremor. Well, what's happening biologically that causes these tremors to occur? You know, I wish we knew that. <laughs> um, that's obviously, we hope that with the data we're collecting through our devices and through our solution, that we may be able to get after exactly that is better understanding the underlying mechanism and how that, uh, or how it, how it comes to be. Um, but we really don't know that, uh, just yet. Is the assumption that it is some type of misfiring or breakdown in the electronic signaling from the brain to the muscle? Uh, it is definitely oscillations in the brain, and our proprietary signal that we've developed for our Calatrio device um, interrupts those oscillations. Um, and so we do know that we have the same effect uh, at the point of the brain that deep brain stimulation does, and it works on oscillations. We don't know the underlying cause of those oscillations. Well, what is the Calatrio, and how does it work? Right question. So Calatrio is a body-worn neuromodulation uh, device. It is um, has two main pieces. It is the stimulator itself, which is an oval-shaped, um, about uh, double the, the thickness of an Apple Watch that provides the stimulation. It connects to uh, a wrist-worn connector that has embedded in it silicone uh uh, based electrodes that deliver the electricity. We're delivering electricity as medicine. This is the fundamental work that we're doing, akin to deep brain stimulation, but again, doing it through peripherally accessing the nerves at the wrist. How much electricity is it actually delivering? Enough that a patient can feel it, but not that they're dis discontinuing therapy because of it hurting in any way. This device is actually personalized to each patient. Why is that necessary, and how is it adjusted to meet the needs of an individual patient? Oh, the beautiful part is the device does it itself. So when we deliver our device to the patient's home, they unbox it, and we walk them through. Either they can go to videos on our website, or they can call our customer success team, and we walk them through the first application of the technology in placing the we guide them to where the, the electrodes need to overlap with the, 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 ner the nerves on the wrist. Um, and then the device asks the patient to do what we call a tremor task. Typically, it is um, holding your arm straight out in front of you in a postural hold. And the device automatically measures the frequency of the tremor and then personalizes their frequency to how, the, how we deliver our signal, our electricity signal to that individual patient. So that's how the individualization happens on a patient-by-patient -patient basis. Does it matter which wrist the user wears it on? We ask the physician to prescribe the device to the hand in which the tremor is more prevalent, the more dominant hand um, where oh. the patient uh, could benefit from the therapy more directly. Oftentimes, it's the hand with which people eat with or write with that they will use the therapy on. And 
Do you know how long the treatment remains effective for and how long over long-term use? So in our uh, clinical study that we just announced in September of this year, we studied 263 patients in a chronic use at home uh, situation over three months. Over the period of time, the patients came in for three different visits. What we saw was importantly, in each of the visits where they did stimulate and have therapy, we saw an immediate or more acute benefit to the tremor in each of those patients overall. We also saw over the, long, the whole length of the study, across the full three months, we saw benefit in the overall tremor um, uh, tremor power in that full, full three-month period. So we know at least it works over a three-month period. We now have patients who have been wearing the device for much longer, and we'll be studying um, the, the long-term use. But we have proven out that at least over a three-month period of time, the therapy remains effective and patients are able to continually drive benefit. Within the individual session, so we ask a patient to wear the device for 40 minutes twice a day, and on average, patients are, are uh, noticing that they have continued relief from tremor for upwards of 97 minutes after they use the device for 40 minutes of therapy. Is there any limit on how often someone can use the device? Do people use it throughout the day? Uh, we are seeing some of our patients use it throughout the day. Uh, and we also see that some of our patients are able to use the device, put it away, and then go about their business and, and have benefit for much longer. We have one of our, our patients who is a golfer, and he claims that he gets a full 18 holes of relief after one therapy session. So, yeah, obviously more work to do to better understand this, um, but we do see that the treatment does have uh, good effects that are lasting beyond the therapy session. And when you did the studies, were you comparing it against any existing therapies or against not using the device? How did you go about the endpoints? Yeah, we decided for our chronic at-home use study to make it an all-comers and to not randomize it. So we actually just took patients who were um, on existing therapies, primarily drug therapy, whether they had tried something and it had worked or they tried something and it was no longer working, we allowed them to enroll in the study. The only patients we, we absolutely ruled out from our study were those patients that had a deep brain stimulation uh, technology implanted. We didn't want any interference from the electrical signal. Um, and we actually saw a benefit to patients who were both on therapy, on existing drug therapy, and those that were off. Um, so we do believe we, we are additive to whatever a patient could or couldn't be using today. So there's no problem using the device in addition to someone using a drug therapy? Correct. We saw no difference in the uh, ultimate benefit for the patient. Are there any side effects associated with the use of the device? We did see some um, adverse events in our clinical work. Uh, we have uh, the way the band is currently configured. Um, we had uh, some skin irritation, um, and you can call them electric burns, mainly, mainly irritation, uh, right below the stimulation device at the, at the top of the wrist. And we are working on a redesign to redesign the band uh, to hopefully uh, get rid of that. That was in about 18% of our patients. We did not see any serious adverse events at all throughout all of the studies that we've done. You mentioned not including people with deep brain stimulation devices. Are there other patients 
who shouldn't use this device? Well, we have had patients who have not benefited from the therapy, and primarily that's because their tremor is caused by something else. We have had patients who, for example, are on medications that induce a tremor, uh, and they have tried to use our device for therapy benefit and uh, for tremor benefit, and we did not see any. So we do believe we we work on the location in the brain where a central tremor resides. I take it there are other types of tremors other than essential tremors. Does are you looking at other indications for the same device? We are currently studying a Parkinsonian tremor. Uh, that is a tremor that is, a, is a very different than essential tremor. Essential tremor tends to appear when a patient is actively using their hands. Parkinsonian tremor is completely the reverse. It tends to appear when the patient's arms are at rest. Um, so we are looking at that as an as a extended uh, opportunity for this technology, but the, the work is underway and it's still too early to tell. What does the device cost, and, and is there reimbursement available? Currently, uh, patients are paying out of pocket for uh, the stimulator and then signing up for a monthly subscription for the bands. Um, we have a 90-day band, so every quarter we will replace the band uh, so the patient can continue to use the, the stimulator device. Uh, the stimulator itself also comes with a charging station, uh, that allows also for connectivity to our database so we can track the patient's uh, usage and therapy benefit. Um, we do not have reimbursement available yet here in the U.S. At the, we did get a de novo uh, 510K approval uh, in April of 2018. We launched earlier this year, but we're, we are not yet reimbursed in the U.S., and we continue to work on international approvals as well. What do you think it will take to get reimbursement, and, and is it going to require additional studies? may require uh, additional studies. We know that some of the work we're doing in mechanism of action to, un to better understand the underlying um, uh, effects of our therapy. Um, we have about four mechanism of action studies that are underway right now with kind of leading centers like the NIH and Mayo Clinic, um, and those will read out here in the next several months. That will be very supportive for reimbursement. Um, and we're working with consultants to better assess whether a, another large study would be uh, warranted to support, um, to support our reimbursement claims. And is there a, a pipeline behind this? Is, is CALA building something beyond just this one device? We hope so. So we actually earlier this year in licensed uh, some uh, clinical work and intellectual property that uh, uh, some great researchers at MGH back in Boston with, uh, and Harvard affiliated uh, were working on for auricular stimulation. And disease conditions that they've been looking at include areas like depression and migraine and some cardiovascular conditions. So we're going to continue to explore those areas, and we would hope to have additional platforms beyond the Calatrio and beyond our, our uh, wrist-worn therapies. And this is a, an emerging area of medicine. Is there a, a barrier you need to overcome with providers in any way? Is there some resistance to appreciating the potential for this? Do people look at this as a legitimate medical device? You know, um, I, I'd answer that in two ways. We, we have had some pushback from clinicians because they're not aware of Cala Health, and so that is our opportunity to go out and tell the Cala Health story, and we're actively doing that. 
But we have also seen through some of the work we're doing in um, supporting patients on their journey, patients are downloading a doctor discussion guide from our website, taking the short document into their physicians, and I think the physicians are making the decision to go ahead and write a prescription because we're not significant risk, because it's non-invasive and a wearable solution with a very attractive safety profile. A lot of doctors who we have not, you know, called on, we haven't detailed them, um, are actually sending in prescriptions to us today. And what do you think the, this points to in terms of the future potential of devices like this? Oh, I think it's enormous. I think it's a whole category that, you know, we have the, the opportunity and the obligation to help build and help be part of the ecosystem. Um, I think there's, you know, there's been a, a constant trend towards doing things non-invasively, um, and we all know that trend being in, in, in medicine over the last, you know, several decades. Um, and now we have that opportunity to take neuromodulation, which if you go back and start with the cardiac pacing technologies, move on to, you know, uh, all the, 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 the targets that we have come to appreciate for neuromodulation, including, you know, Parkinson's and essential tremor, lower back pain, obesity, all these various conditions, we now have the potential to do uh, similar therapies, but in a non-invasive, non-surgical way, and hopefully grow the opportunity for patients to be able to use these technologies. So that, to me, is the excitement around the category. Renee Ryan, founder and CEO of Cala Health. Renee, thanks so much for your time today. It's been great. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send an email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.